Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyatt Lee, and you're listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we dive into the details of sex lives and sex work lives in an effort to take care of the sexy parts of ourselves and each other. The focus today is professional, and our guest is the CEO and founder of Pineapple Support. Pineapple Support is a nonprofit organization providing mental health and emotional support to adult industry professionals across the globe. Connected to the adult industry for over 20 years, previously the owner of a BDSM toy store, a fetish model, professional dominatrix, and many moons ago, a pole dancer, welcome Leia. Hello. How are you? I just want to throw it out there. First and foremost, if anyone who is watching sees me waving my arms in the air, there are mosquitoes in the office. I have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope you don't get bitten too much. Start off by telling us about your work. So how are you making the world a sexier, more loving place? And tell us, what is your professional origin story? We got a little snippet, but give us the details, pretty please. So we are making the world sexier by making people's mental health better, because Sane is sexy. 
we provide persons working in the online adult industry with professional mental health care and also 24-7 emotional support, which is run by trained trained peers. So anyone can sign up to do that. We have loads of different resources. I'm sure we'll no doubt dive into those later. But as a little backstory, I've been obsessed by sex forever. <laughs> and, I mean, even, even as a young child, just, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know where from. Just always this fixation on, on sex. And so... I somehow stumbled upon my first BDSM party when I was 15 or 16. And they really looked after me. I didn't see any of the kinky stuff that was going on for me. It was just a fancy dress party, almost, you know, but, but with really caring, wonderful people. And that's kind of where the story started. And from there, you know, as soon as I was 18, almost, I started, uh, I was dancing in the first strip club when it opened in, um, in my hometown and continued dancing for a couple of years. And I think I probably would have done it for longer, but it was a combination of, I started, I got into a serious relationship but didn't think it was appropriate. As it turned out, the guy was only dating me because I was a stripper, so, so that, was, okay. that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. And also the competition, the competition of that, I guess. Um, the, Stripper the competition? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was a long time ago, uh, but back then I did, there wasn't so much camaraderie that I see now, particularly working like as, as I've journeyed through the adult industry from stripping through to doing fetish modeling and then making bondage videos, doing professional dominatrix work and now being you know heavily involved in all, all aspects and, and with all folks in front of, behind the camera, behind the, the tech, everything. And it, it's such a loving, friendly, wonderful place. And I wonder whether that was... Because the time's gone by, or, or just the, the group of people. It's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I've heard different things from different strippers in different places. Okay, so that was kind of your first foyer into the adult industry? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's just, everything was just really organic. I stopped, stopped dancing and then went to work in fashion. When the recession hit, I left my position in the, the fashion company and decided to open a sex store because if people aren't going out, they're staying in. And what fun. And that started going really well. But as anyone who has started their own business will know, there's not a lot of money in your pocket. So it's kind of like, okay, how am I going to subsidize this? And with going through all the fetish parties and meeting all these amazing kinky people, I was like, oh, okay, professional dominatrix. This is a thing, and this is how much they earn, and this is something that I would really love. So started doing that and started modeling more. Every time I was going to the shows, people were asking me to model. And it just, it just really, everything flowed, and the people that I met were just really supportive during the whole journey as well. You know, what camera to buy, what lighting to buy, how to set this up, how to approach people, how to do a contract. That just, what a beautiful, beautiful industry and a wonderful group of people. That basically led us up until, until Pineapple when at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, we had a string of suicides in the adult industry. And upon researching, I discovered that there was not a huge amount of support out there for adult industry performers. There were a few non-profit organizations that were providing 
small amounts of care on, on the side of. But I think with something like mental health, it has to be an all-encompassing. It's such a huge area and costly. So, you know, it's not, it's not cheap to provide therapy for, for someone. How did you gather the resources? What was the initial, what did it look like at the beginning? At the beginning, it was lots of pieces of paper strewn around a desk, which actually doesn't look too dissimilar to what the desk looks now. Uh, <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. Throwing loads of ideas down, came up with a concept, approached a few people who all went, this is amazing, but we're not going to give you any money because we don't know you. Mm. You're not a registered 501c3, which takes a long time. And we don't know if this is going to work. So I was okay. Then I will pay for this and I will do this and I will show you that it will work. So that was the first kind of eight months where I covered everything. I covered the cost of physical therapy. We did all the 501c3 paperwork. We I say me, we, it was myself and, yeah. and a lady called Elaine, who's amazing at admin. This brain does not do admin. And she submitted all the paperwork for pineapple support so we could become a 501c3. And then December, we got our first sponsors, and that was, that was Pornhub. Oh, cool. And since then, it's just, I mean, it has skyrocketed. It's crazy. The amount it grew. I think we started at just the right point, though, because with, with everything that happened with COVID, if we had been a little bit younger, we wouldn't have had the money to support yeah. the influx of need. So, yeah, it, it all fortunately happened then, and, and we were in the, a strong position for the onslaught. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the specifics of how therapy or support groups for sex workers may be different from regular people? Uh, I'm more interested in the conversation, for sure. Now, um, <laughs> there isn't a huge difference. The main difference there is that it's a stigma-free, judgment-free zone because mm -hmm. that's the problem that people are facing again and again and again is that they're stigmatized by society. They're stigmatized by their families, by old friends. And then they go to see a therapist who then confirms everything that these people have been saying. I mean, that's just, that's a spiral that, that starts getting out of control. So our therapists are all, you know, industry friendly. Most of them are in the kink community or the or polyamorous community and uh, obviously all very sex positive. How are you finding these therapists? Like, I mean, I'm sure you put out different job postings or things, but like, what is it that you're looking for to make sure that you have someone that has kind of the experience? Because the sexier I've gotten in my work, the more that my therapist is just like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it is a unique skill. <laughs> um, to begin with, we went hunting. So just, well, actually to begin with, the first few therapists were my friends. So I had a, a, few, a few friends who were, who were licensed therapists and they've known me and my past and are obviously very cool with it all. So it's like, hey, guys, help me out. And they did. And they're also still working with us. Then we went hunting and it was looking online for sex positive, kink aware, BDSM therapists. And then just reaching out to them, letting them know what we were doing and seeing if they're interested. And again, the response was fantastic. Now we do nothing. They come in, awesome. in crowds. Uh, I think I interviewed three new therapists just today. It's amazing. And I love the diversity that we have. You know, it's, it was very difficult at the beginning when we had kind of 20 therapists. And I don't know, you know, 
we may have had one LGBTQ therapist, we may have had one BIPOC therapist, and I was like, ah, we need to get more. And now we have 380 therapists, and just almost, you know, almost every community is is covered, and just beautiful people specializing in all different areas, using different therapy techniques, speaking different languages. It's uh, amazing. It's amazing. That was my next question. What are some of the different techniques you use and how how do people decide which technique is right for them as a sex worker? Or is it just sort of like who's available and, you know, kind of like with regular therapy? I realize a lot of people don't know what type of therapy they're in because I ask people, I'm like, oh, what sort are you doing? So does that, how does that come up? How do you handle that? But what, what we do when someone applies for therapy with us is we ask them in which areas they need support. And it's a list of about 30 different possibilities. And it's it exact same list that every therapist has when they're applying to work with pineapple in which areas they specialize. So when someone applies for therapy with us, we look at all the boxes they've ticked and then find a therapist with as many of the same boxes ticked as we possibly can. And then with that additional box, you have people saying, you know, I specifically want a female therapist or I specifically want a trans therapist or want a therapist that specializes in X, Y, and Z. And then we do our very, very best to, to match. Obviously it, can't always be possible because of the beautiful laws in the US that means that people can't provide um, therapy to someone in a different state to you. So, you know, it's great that we have 370 therapists, 380 therapists now. But, you know, if, if you're looking at somewhere like um, Montana, or there's, there's, we've got no therapist there. Yeah. We have one. So if you, you know, yes, we do. We have one. But if you're looking for something that they don't specialize in, then then it becomes a little bit difficult. But it's um, we manage. Is it primarily one-on-one? I think I remember seeing various groups, also including groups for partners of sex workers. Is that right? Yeah. So we do five regular drop-in support groups that anyone can join. And then every month we also start a six-week closed support group. So every month there'll be a different topic. And that's a six-week support group that you, you're you in every every week with a commitment. Whereas the, the drop-in support groups, there isn't any commitment there. And we did we did one in January. And it's something that I'd definitely like to do again for partners of sex workers. How did you get the name Pineapple Support? It's the most commonly used safe word in the U.S. Is it? I thought people just said it as a joke. Do they really use it? Red Stop Pineapple. Damn, I always thought that when people said pineapple, they were just kidding. Like, I thought that was, like, a number one joke. Oh, no, I funny. think it was um, I think it was on a movie or an, on a stand-up show. And then okay. since then, it's just been adopted. It's, uh, yeah, I was Googling, you know, what kind of safe word is stop? That's the worst safe word I've ever come Red? It's, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, universal. That's stop. Potentially unsafe safe word. <laughs> yeah, yes. Stop, no, don't stop. Stop, no, exactly. And then it's pineapple. So and I was also staring mindlessly in my friend's apartment trying to think of a name, and she had a gold pineapple. And that's when they went, oh, yes, safe word. Yes, it's all going to work. Brilliant. <laughs> what is your definition of sex worker? And in the work you're doing now, not your previous work, do you identify as a sex worker? The work I'm doing now? No. My way of identifying a sex worker is if you are doing something that is prompting someone to receive sexual pleasure, 
be that wiggling your toes at a camera that they're jerking off to, or whatever else, dominatrix work, beating the shit out of someone if they're doing it, and you know if they're receiving pleasure from it, then you're a sex worker. That would be my personal thoughts on it. So in a direct way, because you are really providing that for probably, I would imagine, thousands of people in providing support for sex workers. Yeah. But people aren't masturbating to me. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they are. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe someone has a kink for, like, helping, helping professionals. <laughs> someone, anyone, anyone, are you out there masturbating over me? It's- <laughs> You never know. Tuesday. I need to know this. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a little overview of like what a sort of day in the week, life, month, like whatever time frame feels appropriate or accurate for you? Like what's your day-to-day stuff like work-wise? It can be anything, honestly. I mean, January, there's Vegas and LA, so AVNs and Expos, big award shows, which means that all the build-up to that is trying to run the day-to-day for pineapple support as well as preparing for all the shows. We've got Miami coming up next month. I've been doing this five years. I've never had a holiday. My job now is more of the fundraising events coordination overview of the organization, but we are a very, very small team. So um, incredibly involved in every aspect still. But, But a day in the life, wake up at... 7.30, do my emails, train, come back, do more emails, try and work through the task list. And then meetings tend to start at about 3 in the afternoon and we'll go on until about 8 p.m. Wow. That's a full day. Working on multiple time zones. But I take Fridays off. I'm doing this four-day work week thing and it, it's good. Fuck yeah. Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you are listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Bluetooth, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say, the night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it, and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. 
Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Who are the people that you're like interfacing with day to day? It sounds like there's maybe sponsors. It sounds like there's people on your team. But when you're talking to people that are maybe outside of the industry or inside, I guess, what sort of reactions do you get when they learn what you do? Day to day, I'm usually talking to people who I'm asking for money. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, they want to know statistics, how it's going to benefit them, what they can do to promote it to the content creators using their platforms. And then I try and persuade them to give us more money than they've just agreed to, you know, yeah. sales. Outside of that, I don't, I don't often meet new people. <laughs> okay. Well, what about at like XBiz or something? Like I came across your booth there. Like I was already aware of you guys, but what are the interactions with performers or models or workers like? I mean, most folks know about us now. We used to come up against a lot of people being very nervous to give us their details and their, private, their personal information, their name, their copies of their ID, things like that. The systems that we use are for the medical industry. It's, you know, you can't get much more secure, but that was a big barrier to begin with. Fortunately, now, you know, we've, we've given care to over 10,000 people. So wow. that seems to have passed. You know, obviously, there's still the odd person who's who has those concerns, and they're perfectly within their right to have those concerns. That was uh, originally the, the biggest hurdle that we would come across, and also ensuring that we had the right therapist for the right person. Now it is making sure that we can continue to provide the level of care that we have been with the huge amount of people now applying for therapy. Yeah. So on that note. If you were able to get all the money, all the funding, everything you needed, all those needs met, where would you like to see this work lead? I'd like to expand into more South American countries, particularly Brazil. I'd love to have some therapist placements. So I'd really like to be able to provide more care in Eastern Europe, particularly Romania. It's another really big uh, CAM community. To be honest with you, if we had all the money, it would just be a, con- a case of not having to put people on a wait list and not having to worry about being able to extend sessions to as, as many as folks wanted. So the most wonderful thing to be able to do would be able to say, well, you know, have therapy for as long as you want. That's cool. Yeah. We'll be here for as long as you need us, when do you need us. But we have to obviously put limits because yeah. Yeah. money. Is everything virtual? Are there any in-person situations? It can be in person if you end up being close to your therapist. So, for example, if you're in Nevada, if you're if you're in um, Vegas, yeah, we've got a lot of people in Vegas. If you're in LA near Hollywood, we're going to have a lot of therapists in that area. We have a lot of therapists in Tampa and Miami in the, the big sex cities. Um, yeah. Those are like you have to get to see your therapist in person, but generally it is virtual. And that changed a lot during the pandemic. So a lot of our therapists didn't like to see people virtually. And it made it made life for us a lot harder. So we were having to look on maps to try and find the closest therapist to every single person, which, as I said, we're getting upwards of 350 people requesting therapy every month now. So that would have been a very big undertaking. But since COVID and everyone having to work virtually, people are a lot more comfortable with it now. And it, it certainly makes our life a lot easier. What unique insights do you think you have around sex or the sex industry because of your work that maybe nobody else does? What pieces of information do you 
interact with that maybe like I would never come into contact with. Everything just seems normal now. That's what I mean. I know. I know. (laughs) That's what I've noticed most of all interviewing people who where this is their day to day. I get, you know, really straightforward answer because there is a lot of like, but I'm like, no, but what are the details? So like, I'm just really curious what you've interacted with that my brain couldn't even ever imagine. People used to say, what's the weirdest thing you've seen as a dominator? None of it's weird now. I love that answer. (laughs) One of the most beautiful things that I'm encountering is people being open about their mental health struggles and normalizing it. Realizing how many people out there are struggling. You know, some of the people that when when I was a, a model, you know, I was an absolute no name. And I'd see these incredible men and women, whoever, you know, that you'd, you'd idolize, you'd look up to, you think one day I want to be as successful as, as this person. And then realizing that actually none of us know what we're doing. Yeah. None of us are as confident as we seem. Everyone has their own shit going on. And as cliche as it is, just be kind and treat everyone Treat everyone how you want to be treated. And don't be nervous because everyone's just a person at the end of the day. I think that's, yeah, one of the biggest lessons that I learned very, very early on. The resilience people have. You know, you meet people who have experienced situations that you see in the movies or you read in a magazine and you think, wow, that doesn't happen to people in real life. And I meet these beautiful, young, you know, early 20s, people who've been through the unimaginable and they smile and they are kind and they just keep going and they haven't allowed it to dull their shine. They are just out there and still trying to make the very, very most of life. And that's that's been a really incredible thing to to watch and be a part of yeah i don't know if this question is going to work for you but we'll try it what would you say are the sexiest parts of your work and the least sexy parts oh this this, yes it does the sexy parts are walking down red carpets and getting to hug and touch and kiss all the beautiful beautiful performers (laughs) (laughs) yes i am off to the gay porn awards in a week and i will be I will be touching as many with consent, beautiful, yes. muscular men as possible. Um, <laughs> oh my God, amazing, amazing. Yes. Just being surrounded by all these people and everyone's dressed up and it just looks, it looks and feels just surra- surrounded by love. Yeah. It really is. These are the shows are just, mm, look around you, these are my people. And everyone's being themselves because they're in an atmosphere where they can be themselves and they're looking gorgeous and yeah. And the least sexy part is wearing pajamas all day and sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and it sounds like you're dealing with some intense shit here and there, like all, both admin-wise and also just then, you know, learning people-wise stuff. Oof. Yeah. But if it's all worthwhile. Um, yeah. Particularly when you get to meet everyone and and you see them and have the hugs and just, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know 
The Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Okay, this question can apply to pineapple support, but also like reflecting on any of your work in the adult industry. What is the silliest shame-related experience that you have encountered because of your work? I mean, my I'm getting a lot better with connecting brain to mouth before volume and sound comes out of it but I have just slightly shameful it's like looking back at the person I was when I first started pineapple because I was a very out there fetish performer coming into a very corporate environment and some of the stuff that I was saying and the way I was acting was just completely inappropriate oh wait can you give us examples because that's what I'm trying to figure out right now I'm like I'm an artist I don't know how to talk to regular people like someone that I am I was looking to go after for sponsorship and I'm showing them a video of me putting a chorizo sausage up my vagina singing happy birthday. Okay, so that's a don't do or <laughs> <laughs> what was their reaction? Like zero as well. So I'm like look, 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 look at this. And they're like, yeah and <laughs> yeah. I mean we're still friends, it's all good, but you know, yeah, it's pretty shameful. And then there's just the drunken nights and you wake up going, oh no, I said, what? But then I think that's everyone has those. I mean, you know, but the excitement of conferences, particularly when you don't get to leave the office very often, it's like, oh, oh look, I'm in Vegas. I should drink everything. <laughs> what about, have you encountered like other people's shame in ways where you're like, oh, ah, right. People are ashamed of sex or whatever. Like, have, has anything like that come up either with, sponsorships or just talking to people or anything like that? I found it quite upsetting the amount of people who do not want their companies associated with something like pineapple. I found really? it. I mean, we couldn't open a bank account to begin with. What? We're, we're a mental health organization. We could not open a bank account. You know, we have sponsorships from... A few people who don't want to be mentioned, which is, you know, okay, that's fine because they have their reasons. But then when you go to a mainstream company and they're like, oh, no, 
no, we don't want to give money to you. Or we don't want to work with you. Or this is just wild. Where, where is this shame coming from? Society has messed up views on sex. I mean, you know, we laugh saying don't kink shame. When you're in the industry, it's some pretty far out stuff. Yeah. But when you think they're actually just sex shaming. Sex is one of the most basic eating, drinking, fucking. This is what we do. We're mammals. How can you attach so much shame to something that our bodies were literally crafted to do and enjoy? Absolutely. Yeah. Also, just on that note, the more I encounter people who talk to me about sex workers or tell me about the weird requests sex workers have gotten, like there's like shame around that. But I'm like, that's coming from people like anyone who wants like something in a jar or a bodily fluid or all of these things. Like we're all generating that. Like we are creatures. We're humans. Can you tell us how your sex related work has influenced your own personal life? Like, especially if your sex life, I mean, what, you don't have to share details about your sex life, but I'm curious if there has been an influence or if you've noticed anything in your own sphere. I have noticed myself communicating and setting boundaries. Mm. <gasps> <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, which was something that I was really, really bad at. Mm. Um, for someone that's quite a strong personality, um, a strong person, I would let men walk all over me. I mean, the whole not good enough narrative that, you know, it's common. Almost everyone has this. And doing the inner child work and watching so many, so many webinars because we have a different webinar every month and I sit and watch them all. And it just comes up again, boundaries, 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 communication, boundaries. Which, you know, communication is part of boundaries. But this chapter of life has been understanding the impact of setting boundaries, the necessity to set boundaries, the positive effect that it has on your whole well-being, not just mental, physical, everything. Uh, yeah, that would be my major take-up. That probably began when I was in the BDSM community, but I didn't really soak it in properly. And again, you know, working as a professional dominatrix, I was taking on everybody else's boundaries, but allowing them to push mine. Mm. Would you feel comfy giving us like a specific boundary example, maybe kind of what like what your work life and personal life boundaries look like or just anything that you think is helpful for people to hear? And I think with work life, that when, when Pineapple started, I was working 20 hours a day. I waking up in the night, checking Twitter in case make sure everyone was okay, carrying my laptop around with me, having out when I was having dinner with people and then starting to, okay, taking a separate space, which we're in now, which is a little like outhouse next to my house and going, okay, these are my working hours. When I'm in there, I'm in there. When I close that door, that door is closed. We do not go back oh. in. That's done. And now saying, no, do you know what? I work from eight o'clock in the morning until eight, nine at night. I'm not working Fridays. And if an email comes in, stop getting answered. Yeah. These are all professional boundaries. You have to lead from the front and, and it's something that I've, continually working on just making sure that you look after your own mental health and you don't overstretch and you don't hit burnout because it ha happened to my over and over again burnout 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 because if you never fully recover and get the boundaries correct and have a holiday 
then you're going to constantly hit burnout. And private life, I guess the most recent one was being in the beginning of something with somebody and going to a point where I thought, okay, I really like this person. I'm going to tell them what I want. And I did. And they were not able to give me that. And I said, well, okay, then. Then we're done. We can be friends, but nothing else is going to happen. And as one of those, oh, like, ta-da, moments, you did it. You knew your worth. You set your boundary. You said that's what you wanted. In the bedroom for a while, it's been fine. It's like, no, I want this. I don't want that. Do not touch me now. I don't like that. Don't spit in my mouth without asking. Who does that? You yeah. Know, the oh, damn. I'm like, in the throes of passion, and then someone spits in my mouth. No, why? Mm. So. <laughs> Okay, in your workplace, especially if you're communicating about something, well, I don't know. I don't know if you communicate about things that are specifically sexual, but I imagine at least when you're talking to people, maybe sex things come up. How do you communicate around those? Is it just run of the mill for you or do you ever have explicit conversations with the people you work with about like, here's how we will talk about these things? What's that like for you? Because I don't provide therapy and Mm -hmm. I'm generally just kind of tapping away the keyboard. If someone tries to talk about sex, then it's dismissed. If someone that I was in a professional relationship with tried to talk about sex in a way that was inappropriate, it would not be tolerated. So you're not like dealing with explicit stuff in a normal work context. It's more just like if it comes up, it's like a no-go. We're in the adult industry. Sex is just a topic of conversation at all times when you're with friends. But no, being... um, yeah, it wouldn't be part of the, the general narrative. Okay. Do you have to deal with people either like, not necessarily colleagues, but maybe people who just like meet you in the regular world oversharing with you? Yes. When they, <laughs> how, do, how do you handle that? Oh, uh, just I think in that kind of situation, I like to listen and be as kind as possible because as someone working in the industry, for someone who is not in the industry, for them to suddenly feel comfortable and want to share something, I think helps break down that stigma a little bit. And the more we can do that, and the more we can have people just talking about sex, then that's important and it's a nice thing to be able to do mm-hmm. if it's done in an appropriate manner. What have you learned about social and or cultural norms through your work that you would say has surprised you? I see a lot of people who are very nervous about going to therapy, about opening up about their mental health, talking about boundaries, setting boundaries. So something that I see as a norm is allowing, is, is doing too much. This is, this is something that society has drilled into us, that we should work harder. We should do more. And you work X amount of hours a day. Then you should go out and socialize. Then you should go and help someone move house or look after their kids or whatever, whatever favor someone's asked you to do. Yeah. But also make sure you're getting enough sleep and exercising yeah. somehow. And drinking enough, drinking enough water. And everything. We are told to do so much on a daily basis and people need to know their limits and you know the the saying um 
Oh, so you can't drink from an empty cup? Something along those lines. So, you know, always make sure that your cup is full before allowing somebody else to drink from it. People, people don't. And, I, you know, I, I particularly see, I know it's going to be a lot harder, you know, folks, folks with kids who don't have time to fill their cup up. And then they're helping other people as well and feeling guilty for, for it. And it's that guilt for not helping someone when you haven't got time to help yourself is something that really needs to shift. Don't feel guilty for loving yourself and giving yourself the time that you need. Yeah. Okay, so tell us now, what do you want to celebrate the most about your work in this moment? That we've just turned five, that we've supported 10,000 people. Whoop. Holy cow, wow. Uh, we are adding new resources that will be launched hopefully in the next month. Uh, just general expansion and the, the, the people that we're able to support is incredible. I'd like to celebrate everything. I mean, what a wonderful accomplishment. And I say that, you know, it's, it's obviously not just me. It's, this is an army. And it's just so beautiful to look at. When I, whenever I have the kind of down days, I go, oh, God, is it worth it? Let's go and look at the testimonials on the kind of support page and go, yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Look at this. This is the, the people that we're helping. And we're not just helping those people. We're helping their partners and their kids and their friends and their family. And it just the ripple effect yeah. of happiness and positivity is, is beautiful. So that's what we're celebrating, happiness and positivity and it rippling uh, yeah. through society. Yeah. And you're also helping all of their fans, followers, audience members, too, because when the performers are in good, you know, anyone that they interact with, that's a huge ripple effect. Damn. OK, well, tell us now, what are you excited to explore or grow in your work going forward? I would like to I'm, I'm taking my coaching certificate myself and I'd like to spend more time with education and around mental health practitioners and hopefully work with them to educate more mental health professionals to be able to provide adequate care to sex workers. Yeah. I think that's hugely important. Or about sex at all. Yeah, breaking down the stigma around sex work yeah. with society. You know, we do these, uh, the webinars that we host are public and we do talk about topics with regard to working in the industry. But the, the, the webinars that we do, I think, are a really, really wonderful way for the public to just see that the issues that people in this industry have to face, not because we're any different to anybody else, but because society deems us to be different and therefore we have to suffer the consequences. Yeah. So if you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the whole wide world something sex-related, what would it be? Where the clitoris is? <laughs> <laughs> it would be, I think, to know, to know yourself in your own body. I think if everyone in this world was, knew themselves and their own body and what they liked and explored themselves and were at peace with their own sexual desires, then it would rid us of a hell of a lot of shit. Yeah. Okay. Now I'd like to invite you into my personal little fantasy brainstorm long-term pet project. Okay. So imagine there's a creative space that's part sex ed museum, part erotic art gallery, 
And then there's a secret members-only dungeon floor down below that doubles as a co-working space or set for erotic performers and models during the week. The whole place has educational workshops on the weeknights, afternoon delight play parties on the weekends, and you have been tasked with designing one of the rooms so it can represent you, your desires, it can promote pineapple support or be an experience that you want people to have that reflects your vibe, and you have an unlimited budget, what would that room be like? I just automatically go to a nice big black dungeon with lots of metal chains and, and leather, black leather. Everything's black. Yeah, everything is black and dark and a little bit terrifying. And there's cold metal in a hot room. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I was laughing so I went straight to my own desires there rather than going, oh, we should have a third room. I was like, no, black leather, chains, metal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... That could be a fun place for people to have therapy, too. It could open up, you know, it could be both. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you want to, like, say about your work, reflect on work-wise or sex work-wise or just about sex in general? I think if you're doing it, then you should love it. If you're not loving it, then try and figure out why. Be open. Set your boundaries. And donate to Pineapple Support. Fuck yes. And you can find Pineapple Support on the internet at Pineapple YSW. You can follow Layla at Leia Tanit and visit www.pineapplesupport.org. Leia, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you. I've loved it. <laughs>